Welcome to the Raiders Training Camp Podcast, presented by Pizza Hut. Live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, here are your hosts, Jesse Merrick and Eddie Pascal. And we have finally made it episode one of the Training Camp Podcast. Eddie Pascal here with Jesse Merrick in the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. And Jesse, day one in the books, camp is back, and it feels good to be back, just not fully normal, right? Like, let's be very clear. It is not a normal practice or normal practice environment, but it's the closest we can do right now. It really is, man. I'm fired up. I and mean, we're talking football, first mm-hmm. of all. Like, that's what matters most. But simply to be back in the building, back at practice, like, yes, media members, we're still rocking the masks. We're keeping our distance and everything like that. Still following the COVID protocols. But, man, like, just to be out there, see guys on the field. And, again, it's day one. They're not in pads and everything, like you said. But, like, to see them actually out there going through the motions, you know, like, all right, in a couple of days we're going to be in pads, and then we're going to be in the preseason soon. Like, we're really going to start seeing these guys actually play games. That has me so fired up. And think about this, too. We were talking before we started recording. This is my first, or this morning, I should say, it was my first training camp practice since 2019. Wild. I, it's crazy. So the last time I saw this team in, in training camp was in beautiful Napa. That's how long ago it was. And it's crazy, and it, and it feels so good, like you said, to be talking about football, to be back in the mix, to get into it, and we will over the next couple of weeks, get into position battles, and who's going to be doing what, and who looks good, and who gained weight. Yeah. Spoiler alert, Henry Ruggs did. But <laughs> it just feels good to have like these kind of like normal conversations that you and I would have over a beer, but it feels like we couldn't do for the past, what, 14, 15 months. It does, and like, like you said, for you, this is your first one in Vegas. Like I was here throughout camp last year, but even today, I still had that moment where I was like, hey, we're doing training camp in Vegas. Like It, it didn't... Last year felt like we had it, like the Raiders were here, like you guys were doing training camp. But like today it really hit me like, wow, the Las Vegas Raiders are doing training camp in Vegas. Like I had that moment where I was like, oh, this is awesome. That's when it kind of first hit me. So I'm excited from that simple fact again that like we're here and it, it feels more so like the Raiders are Vegas's team again now because we've had that year. And again, like you said, moving more into that sense of normalcy. Yeah, and we're getting there. So diving into that sense of normalcy, I think the first thing for me when I got out there this morning, Jesse, I had to go through my roster again because it's so different looking at the roster and getting numbers. But then when you see guys out there, it's like it, it takes a second for your mind to be like, okay, like for instance, Carl Joseph's in 43 now. Yeah. Carl, I have always known Carl Joseph in 42. And so when I'm looking, I'm like, who's 40? Oh, my God, it's Carl. Cleese in 99. So give, you t- it probably takes like a period or two of practice to kind of put all the numbers together. And I feel like I'm in the kind of like the – in the uh, what's that? Minority Report, Tom Cruise, right? We're oh, yeah. messing around <laughs> on the screen. Yeah. And I'm trying to like figure out who's number two. But that's part of it, right? Over the next couple of days is like no disrespect to the guys on the bottom of the roster. But I probably don't know – uh, who was the guy I was looking at today that I didn't I didn't know the name off the top of my head? It was Garrett Groshek. Yeah. Couldn't get, tell you his number until about three hours ago. And it's so different, too, where you physically have 90 guys on the field. When we get to the regular season, you have 53 guys in the practice squad. It is a lot of dudes to see 90 on the field. It really is. Like I, Same with you. Like You were looking at the roster. Like I had it in my pocket throughout the day. I pulled that thing out probably 50 times. Like And even on the same numbers, I'm like, wait, who was that guy again? Because like, so many new faces. That's a lot of dudes out there. And so you're working your way through that. And again, you said Klee rocking 99. Like That's still, I know that he's 99, but in my brain, it doesn't quite work. So I see 96, and that's Darius Phelan. And I'm like, okay. That's not Clee. I know that's not Clee, but for whatever reason, I can't like get over that. Dude, it's it's wild. And, and I think before we start diving into practice a little bit, I think it's important to rem- remind everyone, this was day one, yeah. right? So to be like, oh, guys, are we're, there's no expe- expectation that guys are going 11 on 11. We're doing the two-minute drill. We're tackling. We're doing all that. It, today is really an acclimation day, right? Yeah. Like if you're John Gruden and the staff, you want to get guys out there. You want to go through the playbook. You want to have guys break a sweat. But 
it, it's foolish to go from zero to 100 like that. It is. And that was the thing is like Max even said, and he was kind of laughing. He's like, look, he said multiple times, it is day one. And so I asked him, I was like, well, what do you look for on day one? And he basically said it. And, and this is something I remember from when I was in college, like day one, you can tell right away the guys that were putting in the work in the offseason and the guys that weren't. You can tell, okay, this guy's going to need some conditioning in camp here in order to get himself ready. Or you can see the guys that were out there busting their tail throughout the offseason to make sure they came back ready to roll. You know, and it's funny too, and Max will never say it, and, yeah. he, and he shouldn't. But I do always wonder, like, because the players I'm sure talk about it, like the two or three guys that, oh, yeah. okay, it's going to take, take them a few days to get into, this, into the swing of things. But it was nice yesterday hearing Gruden say that everyone reported on time and at their playing weight. So if you're looking for positive things to kind of check off the list the first 48 hours of camp, I mean, that's got to be number one. Everyone's here, and everyone's at the weight that they're supposed to be at. Yeah, it's a maturity thing, as simple yeah. as that. You know, and you know that if you come back and the guys are at their weight, they're here on time, all that stuff, it's like, hey, look, we don't have to deal with the immaturity, you know, in that sense. And that, as a coach, as a staff, has to be a breath of fresh air. Not to say that past groups weren't mature enough or anything, but to be able to get that, that's one less thing you got to deal with. Yeah, a thousand percent. And like you said, it speaks to the maturity, it speaks to kind of the group that Meg and Grunin brought in over the past couple of years of guys just doing their jobs, right? It's yeah. that simple. It's just show up, do your job, be on time, and let's get into it. So going into day one, you know, I, I think if we're looking at light bulb goes off moments, we're not going to see those day yeah. one. We're not. Uh, but for me, just from my vantage point, because you and I were on separate sides of the fields today, you know, given the COVID protocols and all that, the one thing that was great for me, so I was really, I mean, as close as we can be, given given the circumstances, to Josh and the running backs, and just seeing Josh run again. Yeah. Just see, I mean, you forget how buttery this dude is. He man. really is. I mean, he is a special kind of guy. And to see him even going through drills at half speed and then full speed and kind of working up that sweat, working up that lather and getting into it, I mean, if this guy stays healthy and he runs behind that big offensive line it's going to be a really really exciting for a year for him to watch him in this in this offense coming up yeah and that's that dude like he sticks his foot in the ground and it's like uh oh what's going to happen you know and he does still have that I had a moment where I noticed that two other guys that really caught my eye was uh, Hunter Renfro because I was like man that dude still got the wiggle a couple nice catches today and then also Alex Leatherwood for me I was like I want to see how this kid fits in along the O-line because look obviously there's no hiding it like he's the starting right tackle he, it's his job until he loses it and he did not look out of place whatsoever. From my understanding, didn't mess up any calls or anything like that. He seemed like he knew what he was doing, seemed like a guy that put in the work in the offseason to figure out the playbook, and from day one, looked great. So just going back to Leatherwood for a sec, and one of the beauties of, of having you here over the next, what, four weeks, whatever it is, mm-hmm. is that you have a we've talked about this a lot, you have a much more kind of X's and O's analytical eye than I do. So for Leatherwood stepping in at right tackle, right? In terms of just communication, knowing the playbook, knowing the calls, how much of that stuff really does come down to the right tackle? Because you would think that Andre James and the centers are going to do a lot of that, but I imagine there's there's some that kind of just carries over to the right tackle as well. Yeah, there, there's a lot of communication, again, along the whole offensive line, and Andre's going to be that guy that makes the call, but he's got to relay that relay that out to them, and you know, different calls that he makes are going to affect what Leatherwood's going to do and in terms of if a guy's blitzing, if he's going to pass someone off, things like that. So just starting from that ground zero point of knowing the system – and being able to know your checks, that's going to help the kids so much more because then he doesn't have to think about it, you know? And again, I don't know for a fact what his understanding is, but from my point of view, again, day one, we can only take so much. I didn't see the kid mess up. And even when they were doing one-on-ones, he looked like he handled his business. He didn't look out of place, didn't look like, oh, man, I, I can't handle this guy coming at me, whether it's Max or, you know, Unique or any of those guys. Like, he didn't look super out of place. There's a couple guys you see get beat, and you're like, hey, he's got some work to do. This kid, first-round pick, obviously we know the hoopla that was around it when he was drafted comes in and looks like he's in a good spot right from the start. And again, that's where that communication is is knowing the system, being able to adapt when the defense throws different looks at you because that's what they're going to do. 
And you just look at that offensive line as a whole, and I think one of my biggest takeaways from today is, granted, we didn't see them do a ton of stuff, right? You saw them go through one-on-ones a little bit, but that offensive line physically is no joke. I mean, you forget how big Colton Miller is. Richie Incognito is huge. Andre James, I think, is a little bit bigger than Rodney was. Leatherwood is a monster. Denzel Good is huge. I mean, this is a big physical group. And when we look at this team from last year, and I know 2020 is now behind us mercifully, but when you look at this offense, when this offense was at its best, it was running behind that big, powerful offensive line. So to just see these guys physically and be like, okay, if everyone can stay healthy, if everyone can be where they need to be on paper, they passed the eye test a thousand percent. Yeah, no, I agree as well. And, and you know, in the offensive game and you running the ball again, like you said, that's what Gruden wants to do. That's what this team's identity is built off of. Last year, they kind of fell off a bit. They were 19th in rushing average last year, 19th in the league. So, you know, you, you get rid of those guys that are, you know, the older guys that cost a little more money. You know, you bring in some of the fresh faces, not fresh faces, you know, guys that have been here, but you bring them into the fold now and elevate them to those roles. So you need them to step up. And it, it is an imposing group. You know, I think Rodney was a shorter guy, but obviously one of the best in the league at what he does. With Andre next to, you know, uh, Incognito, and then you got whether it's John Simpson or Denzel Good next to him, like those are thick dudes. That's some meat along that offensive line. And you got to think that that fires Gruden up when he sees that because he's like, oh, man, like that's what he wants to do. You see him kind of getting fired up. And uh, it is. It's a big group. Then you throw Leatherwood out there on the right side. And again, Colton did stick out to me, again, even more today. Like, obviously, I've seen the guy throughout practice and things like that in an OTAs. But today, when you see him out there all together as a unit, it's a good-sized group. Got some beef up there. Oh, a lot, a lot, a lot of beef. You love and, the beef. you know, you, we talked about guys that are going to have to step up, specifically on the offense. And you look at these second-year wide receivers now, Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards. And in terms of passing the eye test, my God, I mean, yeah. Brian Edwards looks like if you were to go into the lab, if you're going to go into the Madden lab and create your wide receiver – it looks like Brian Edwards. And, and I'm, you know, he had a couple of moments today that I'm sure he would like to have back and do a little yeah. bit differently. It's the first day of practice, right? No one's expecting perfection. But you just look at him, and you can just see the potential of what he can be, what he could be for this offense. And, oh, man, it's just, you know, the lights go off. Like, you look at that Vegas marquee, those <laughs> lights are going off, man. And it, it could be such an exciting year for Brian Edwards. Everything kind of, you know, falls into place for him. Yeah, especially if his game matches his frame. Like, that's one of the things with him. Because, I mean, he's chiseled. Dude is yoked. He's out there big. I'll never forget, you and I were talking about this before we got the pod going. I remember last year seeing him for the first time. And his calf stood out to me. I was like, this dude's got some thick calves and some thick legs, you know. And that's those are the things you kind of look at because you look at the frame with the guys. Like, yeah, he's he's big upper body guy, upper body strength. But those calves and those thighs, the thickness there is what's going to, you know, feed the wolves in a sense, you know, if you guys get what I'm saying there. And so if he's able to come in and live up to that hype, you got him and Ruggs there. I mean, that just opens the door for so much more in this offense. Take some of the weight off of a guy like Darren Waller, who's obviously going to eat and eat a lot. But those two guys playing up to their level is going to be big. And, and having a guy like Brian Edwards, that physical element is kind of what the Raiders were missing in their receiving core. And if you've got him who can be you know, that guy that's paired with Waller in the red zone to be that red zone threat, the big body guy you can throw the goal line fades to, that's going to be a game changer in terms of the red zone efficiency. And I know that they're different guys, and I know that we're, we're going back a little bit, but I've drawn the comparison a couple times before between Brian Edwards and, and Andre Holmes. Mm-hmm. Now, Andre was here in like 2015, 2016, 2017, and Andre was just that. He was that classic, you know, you're going to get the fade in the back of the end yeah, zone, yeah. and he would come down with it more times than not. Now, Brian is much bigger, much stockier than he is. Andre is kind of more of like a lanky, like I thought of him like a, like kind of like a stretch four, right? Like that's yeah, kind yeah. of the frame that he had. But you just saw how comfortable it made Derek to know that, okay, 
if we get down down in the red zone, things get a little bit a little bit tight. I know I got Andre in the back of the red zone, and or excuse me, in the back of the end zone. And hopefully, if everything goes to plan, that's the the same thing with Brian this year. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's the thing. I go back to looking at his tape when he got drafted by the Raiders, and it's just violent. Like that, that's the best way I can describe. Like, yeah, man, he's gonna hurt you. He's gonna steal that ball from you, brother. He really is. Like he goes and gets it. Like that's the thing. My receiver coach in college used to always say, "If you want it, go get it." Like that's what I saw from this kid's tape. Like it was literally the ball's in the air. That's my ball. I don't care what you do. Like I'm getting it. That's kind of the vibe I got from him. And I loved his game when he was in college. And so that's where, if he can bring that physicality back, we heard Ruggs talk about the physicality of the game and needing to put the weight on in the offseason. Well, Brian already has that. If he can play up to that frame, again, if his frame matches his game, it's going to be a game changer for him. Yeah, and you know, we talked about Henry Ruggs. 13 pounds, he said earlier today, yeah. is what he put on this offseason. And you can tell. like You can tell the version that, of Henry Ruggs that we saw today, that we have seen throughout the offseason, is a different version of Henry Ruggs than we saw as a rookie. And there's a lot of, re- a lot of things that go into that, right? He's got a full offseason program. Yeah. He's going to have a legitimate training camp. He's now had the benefit of being in the league for a year, understanding what it's going to take for him to be the best version of himself, and I don't think 13 pounds is going to hurt him that much. Nah, I mean, we got the kind of speed that he yeah. has. He could he could add another 20, 30 pounds, and he'd oh, be okay. Man. Hopefully, he doesn't. Because can you be imagine a... what he would look like oh, if he man. was? I'm going to look it up now. He'd be like a bowling ball. Yeah, he would It'd be, be like... ridiculous. <laughs> but but that guy adding 13 pounds is going to be a game changer for him because like you know you and I are both you know slim guys. 13 pounds on us is going to look like a lot, and you're going to come back and be like rocked after that. So like he definitely looks the part. And Derek even said. You know, I'm trying to get him to roll the sleeves up a bit, show off the guns, and show off some of the work. So, I mean, look, you add the 13 pounds, you keep the speed. You know, as Mayock says, that speed you can feel. You know, you do that, and you're a little more rocked up and able to hold your own in, in the running game in terms of blocking and things like that. The physicality off the line when you're going up against these DBs that have been in the league for a while, when they get in your grill, I mean, it could be a game changer for rugs for sure. You know, I had that that moment today, and, you know, I'll preface this by saying, this is just in drills. They're not going <laughs> live, right? It's essentially like three-quarter speed these first couple of days. But Mariota connected with Ruggs uh, on a 50-yard bomb, essentially, yeah. kind of on the, on the far side with us. And outside of the throw being great, it was just incredible to see how effortless it looked for Henry to run that fast. And it was just that straight-line speed, put your ears back, let's see how fast I am if I'm faster than the other guy. And it just looks so easy for him. Yeah. And then you just like, like, oh my God, this dude went like 45 yards and like that. Like nothing. So if we can have more of those moments, and we saw them last year. I mean, you look at the Jets game, that's the one that everyone's going to bring up. Yeah, yeah. But if you have more of those moments this year where you have Henry Ruggs stretching the field, you have Brian Edwards who's being, you know, a big badass himself, you got Darren Waller who is legitimately uncoverable. I mean, this offense could be a ton of fun once we get into the regular season. It could be. And look, let's be honest, like uh, Ruggs is that guy where everyone says that they, that, you know, he had the letdown of a season, whatever it is, you know, say whatever you want about it. But I will. I do remember Andy Reid, I believe it was, was talking about the Raiders when they were going up against you guys that week. And he said, you know, they've got a big three. He included Ruggs in that with Waller and Josh Jacobs. So that dude's got the respect of the league. He did at the time because he has that game-breaking speed. So adding that into the offense, paired with Waller, paired with Brian Edwards, like you said, Josh Jacobs, you know, if the O-line gets things going. There's a lot of mouths to feed, which is a good problem to have. But, man, it puts the defense into a bind where you think, okay, if we figure out a way to slow down Waller, which nobody has been able to do thus far, but if they figure out a way to slow him down, okay, well, then now you got to deal with Ruggs and Edwards, who are both on the edges there. They're going to bring that speed and physicality element to it. A lot of points this year. Yeah. A lot of points for this offense. The $10 tastemaker from Pizza Hut. Stuck in traffic? Just think of all the delicious meat and veggie combinations. 
Whoops, got a little distracted there. Large, up to three toppings, just 10 bucks. No one out pizzas the hut. Deal not available in some locations. Exclusions apply. We have questions about the offense, right? We have questions about the offensive line. What does this really look like in year two for Henry and Brian? And we'll kind of sort those things out over the next couple of weeks. But we feel like we have a pretty good sense of what the offense is going to be, right? Yeah. There's a few tweaks here and there and things that we're going to want to kind of solidify. But we know what they're going to be. Defensively, a lot of questions. A lot, a lot of questions. Today was our first time seeing Gus Bradley go through a full practice. Uh, and really, when I looked at the defense today, and, and Coach Gruden talked about it on, I would say Wednesday, on Monday, mm-hmm. about how exciting this secondary could be and, yeah. and everything that they're going to bring to the table. I was looking at the defensive line, though. One, because I want to see Unique, man, right? Uh, I think we yeah. all do. But it was really interesting to see just those front four, how they're going to rotate in, and, and what they're going to be able to do and how they're going to be able to generate pressure, consistent pressure against the quarterback. Because, look, we – we generated pressure sporadically yeah. last year, but we weren't able to do it for 60 minutes at a time. Now I think you had Unique in there. You got guys like Solomon Thomas, Max is back, Klee is back, older, wiser. I mean, if if Gus Bradley can figure out a way to harness that front four and really put pressure on the quarterback, it's going to make everything better for the guys behind them. It really is. That's the thing. It's the depth. You rattle off those names, and the thing that sticks out is that depth. You know, last year you guys had 21 sacks. That's 29th in the NFL. That's not going to get it done. But now, again, you look at the team, and again, those names that you do rattle off, that's where you do send those waves. And Gus has been very clear about that, that he wants to have a rotation of two lines at least that he can throw out there, like fresh bodies. And I remember, when was it? Uh, it was during the Vaughn Miller Passing Academy when he was out here. I, you know, We were talking with Max, and he, I, I, I was listening to him talk to a high schooler that was there. And he was explaining to him, he's like, you know, as the game wears on, like just continue to do what you're doing. Work your technique you know, into the third and fourth quarter. And he said that's when most of his sacks have happened, whether it was college or the NFL, because you wear the guys down. Well, okay, Max is that dude that, like, ran more than anybody or whatever, you know, the snaps. I forget what the numbers were on that. I remember when they came out from ESPN Stats and Info, it was like, what? Like, that dude ran how far in a game? So you have that that depth and you're able to rotate through. You keep a guy like Max fresh and then you bring in the fresh bodies, whether it's Nassib, Klee, whoever. As the game wears on, that tackle that's not in a rotation – is going to be dog-tired, and that's when those sacks really do start to come. And again, that's crunch time in the game. And I'm excited, speaking of Klee, just to see what his role looks like this year. And he's a guy that I'm going to have my eye on, especially as we get to the preseason and kind of see what Gus Bradley is going to do with him because he is an incredibly versatile dude. We have seen him at the inside where he's really good. We've seen him rush from the edge. We've seen him do a lot of things. And and I'm curious this year, and I'm hopeful that – this year we kind of have a more defined role of what Klee's going to do. Because Klee feels like that guy who can do a lot of things, so he's asked to do a lot of things, yeah. right? But, like, let's find the three things that Klee Furl does <laughs> the best and say, Cleveland, go do these three things. Don't worry about anything else. Let's see you do these three things really well for 17 weeks. Yeah, I'm curious to see what his role is going to be, too. And I don't know that we're necessarily going to get that that defined role from him because of the versatility that it brings. And you know, I think Gruden said yesterday that his best uh, rush may be from the inside or his best skill set may be from the inside. And I think that adds an interesting element into it, you know, where you can play him both inside, outside, and rotate things through. But in this defense, the run game is going to – you're going to give a little in the run game. It's going to be more, you know, pass rush centric. So that's where I am curious to see with Klee because his strength is stopping the run. So from a pass rush sense, I'm real curious to see how that develops for him in that new 99 that looks nice coming off the it edge. Does. I got to say it does. So I'm curious to see, you know, what kind of how he blossoms, I guess, as a pass rusher, whether it's inside, outside in this defense. For you, and once again, the caveat, this is my opinion. This is Jesse's opinion. We're not yeah. speaking for the coaching staff. But 
if Klee has a really strong year in terms of, you know, playing all 17 games, he's a force on that defensive line, he's a B-stop in the run, but he only has four sacks, five sacks, six sacks, do we look at that as a success? I mean, I, I think that with the addition of Unique, you feel, you feel Max is going to get his. Like, do we think of that as a successful campaign for Klee Furl? I do. I mean, so the way that I kind of liken it to when you, when you were talking about that, the name that pops in my head is Jadavian Clowney. Okay, and look, he's at a different level in his career than Klee is, but he's one of those guys that whenever he comes in, everyone has all these expectations because they remember the hit in college when he totally destroyed that dude from Michigan, and so they think that's what they're going to get all the time. He's going to be some guy that's like you know just rushing the passer, racking up sacks, but that's not his game. Like he's one of the best edge setters and run defending defensive ends in the league, and that's something where I think that's more of Klee's game, where he does do a lot of those similar things. And the sack numbers aren't necessarily going to be there, and that's okay. I think if he is a stud stop in the run and has a couple sacks, successful year for me for sure. You know who Klee reminds me of, to, to go back to Raiders of yesteryear a little bit too, he reminds me, and I mean this with all due respect to my guy Danico, he reminds me of a more skilled Danico Autry. Yeah. And Danico Autry is one of those guys who, very similar to Klee, inside, outside, stop the run, just, you know, a dog on special teams too. But he was one of those guys that you throw him on any line, any defensive line in the NFL – and he makes that line better. And he's not necessarily a guy that is ever going to come away with the eight, nine, ten sacks, but he's consistent, he's going to play every week, and he's going to add energy and depth to whatever line he's a part of. And look, Klee, like I said, is a much more skilled version yeah. of Danico Autry. But when I just think of the kind of the general skill set, that's Cleveland Furl, right? Like he is a guy who can do it all. And sometimes I, I think that we as a collective and you know, you know, the fans in general, like you look at a guy and say, He's a defensive lineman. He needs to have double-digit sacks, or the season is 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 a wash. Yeah. But that's not the reality of today's NFL with guys like Clean and Danico Autry. It's not at all because you look at it. Okay, who are your pass rushers? Who are your dogs? They're going to have to core the back. Okay, that's Max and that's Unique Ngakwe. That's why you brought those guys here. That's why you pay them the money. That's why you do their thing. And then you got a guy like Clee, who again, when you draft a guy that high, a lot of people have expectations sure. of what it's going to be and everything like that. But look, if you've got your two pass rushers and he can concentrate on clogging up the middle, being that run guy, that run stuffer, that's a great thing. It's complimentary football, and that's what you need to win. And, you know, throwing a guy like Jonathan Hankins as well, yeah. who's also made a lot of money, who's been here for a time big doing Hank. just that. Yeah, big time Hank, man. Yeah. Like, you need those space eaters. And I know it's not the sexiest thing in the world. I fully understand that. Yeah. But in order to play, like you said, complimentary football and, more importantly, successful football, winning football, you need dudes like that. Yeah, you do. It, look, it, I, I liken it to kind of like on the O-line. You know, when an O-lineman's doing his job, like you don't really say much yeah. about him because it's not sexy. Well, okay, stopping the run as a D-lineman isn't sexy. Clogging up those holes isn't sexy, but it opens the door for those other guys to make those splashy plays and get the sacks. Yeah, a thousand percent. And, and I think that when we move back now just a little bit from the defensive line, because you and I could sit here for the next two hours and talk about yeah. Max and Klee and Unique, and we will, I promise everyone that we will, <laughs> We got a lot but of time. I know we got a lot of time. But <laughs> when we take a step back, I think now, granted, first day, I was just kind of, I wouldn't say surprised, but it was of note to me how many guys we saw rotating in. Like we saw a lot of Dallin Levitt today. We saw a lot of Trayvon today. We saw, you know, in terms of guys in the nickel, we saw, who did we see? We see Keyshawn Nixon. We saw yeah. Evan Lawson. Like we did not see, hey, these are the, the eight guys that are going to be here. Like you, can, you saw a continual rotation from Gus Bradley. And I think that's going to be kind of the norm until we get closer to the preseason and then into the preseason and we see some of these kind of battles solidified and work themselves out. Agreed. Because like, so for me coming in, I was like, all right, as we get these things going, I want to see how they roll out the ones. And I'm watching, and I'm like, 
Maybe these aren't the ones. And then I'm seeing how they're just mixing everybody in. Yeah, he saw a lot of Tanner Muse, too. Exactly. You know. Saw a lot of that. So they're just trying to get guys reps, get them in there. And again, going through the motions of day one of, you know, working out the kinks and getting used to the new body weight that you have on and working in the calls and, and you know, doing it as, again, this acclimation period before they put the pads on. So they're just ro- rotating everybody through. And I did notice that. We did see a lot of Dallin Levitt, like a lot. I was like, Friend I was of the program, Dallin yeah, Levitt. Yeah. Good dude. I haven't had too much to deal with him, but uh, from what I hear, he's a great guy, you know? And so it was cool to see him get those reps, and I'm curious to see how that kind of develops for him throughout camp for sure. And that's one thing that I'll keep an, keep an eye on, simply one, because I'm a big fan of Dallin personally, yeah. but two, you look at his career here, and he is a guy that has taken full advantage of everything that he has been given. He's an undrafted kid, comes in, busts his tail, ends up in the practice squad, ends up, you know, doing that, gets promoted, this and that. But he's a guy that... Every time, if it's two reps, mm-hmm. if it's 35 reps, you are going to notice him when he's out there. He is vocal. He is excited. He is passionate about this organization. He's passionate about this team. And so to see him get a little bit of run today, man, brought a smile to my heart, a smile to my spirit. Now, will it be like this in two, three weeks? Time will tell. It will but it was of note today that we were rotating in so heavy and down was a part of that rotation. Yeah, and that's the thing is that's the type of dude that you can root for. Oh, know? my God, a thousand percent. Yeah, a guy like him, a guy like Nick Morrow, yep. you know, those type of dudes. And, uh, you know, that's a valuable thing in order to get those reps early on in camp and show the guys, you know, how to do this, you know, and how to run and how kind of like the uh, I don't know how to quite describe, but, you know, you're those guys that have been in the program. You know how things are done, whether it's a new defense or not. Things are still done a certain way in the Raiders organization. So having a guy who's been through that, who's fought and clawed and scratched his way up to that opportunity that's big to have that as kind of the guy that like lays the groundwork and shows the young guys like Trayvon Merrick, hey, this is how we do things in the Raiders organization. And I think it sends a powerful message, too, of like, look, I don't care if you're a first-round pick yeah. or if you're an undrafted dude from Utah State like Down Levitt. Everyone is going to get their chance. Everyone is going to have to take full advantage of their opportunities. And if you don't believe me, look at the dude out there playing free safety right now. You know, So yeah. I, I think it sends a good message. And look— we can't dive too much into it. It's day one, exactly. right? Like, we're not here to anoint anyone a starter or not a starter or anything like that. But I think it does send kind of a good message as we now dive fully into the next, gosh, what is it, three, four weeks of Ooh. training camp. I know. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. <laughs> uh, before we get out of here, though, and I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up, my man Daniel Carlson. Yeah. Perfect today, baby. Four for four. Looking good. Looking yeah. strong. Those holds from AJ Cole. Mm, chef's kiss. The specialists are back, baby. Yeah. I love it. They, you know, they didn't get a ton of run today. No one really did. But the four that they I don't did you see AJ punt today, by the way? No, I didn't. I didn't even it. see him punt. Yeah, I don't think he did now that I think about it. Yeah. yeah. Just holding. Four spectacular holds. He killed it. AJ on the Cole, dominant effort. So it's good <laughs> to see those guys uh, back back in action. But speaking of the, spe- of the special teams in general, Rich Basaccia. High energy, baby. It doesn't care. He doesn't care if it's day one or day forty-five. He's bringing the energy. He did just that, and uh, and I always say like, if I if I like had ten minutes with Rich, <laughs> I would leave that ready to just run through a brick wall. For yeah, and you need that on teams, though, right? Like you need to have your special teams coordinator be a guy who's excitable, who's going to get people ready to go. Because I mean, it feels like special teams is the most emotionally driven portion of the game. 100%. I mean, you're a dude that's got to run down there on kickoff and blast somebody at full speed when they're doing the same run right back into you. I mean, that doesn't happen very often in the course of a game in a normal spot. So special teams, you got to be wired a little differently to do it. You know, that was the thing is I remember everyone always says, you know, you cut your teeth playing teams and stuff, and that's how you get your opportunity on the field. Like, those were always the craziest dudes. Like, the guys that were just like, to steal Tanner Muse's, uh, you know, terminology, the special teams war daddies, like, those are the dudes that you don't want to mess with. So, 
it definitely takes a different thing. And having Rich, you know, the the guys all talked about Gus Bradley being a ball of energy. Like, Rich is that. You know where he is on the field at all times. It's great for us because there's not too many people in, in practice right now or at practice, I yeah. should say. So you can hear almost everything. You hear a lot. So you hear Gus. You hear John. Also, did you notice this today that there were uh, – Gru ran a few routes towards the end of practice. No. And Derek had a few check downs to him. Uh-huh. Oh, it was spectacular. I missed that. Yeah, oh, it was good. That. It was great. You know, Gru, Gru has got a little, little uh, oil in those hips, got as May would say. He's got a little wig in him. Probably not the same the same wiggle he had like 20 years ago, yeah, but yeah. he looked good out there. Looked uh, looked like he belonged. But you do get to hear everything, and you get to feel that energy, and it's just day one. We have a lot more to get into, but it was a great start today. It really was. It was. Just, again, the energy, like just the smell of football, yes. having it back. Like the alarm clock going off at 5 a.m. for me was a little rough. I'm not going to lie. Were you on TV last night, by the way? No, I wasn't on TV. Okay. Luckily, I had a couple days off, my last couple days off before camp starts, and then I really dive into it and check into football mode. But, man, I— I thought I'd be tired, but I did feel energized being back out there and just simply being able to talk football. I was talking to my photographer when we were walking in, and I was like, man, these next couple of weeks are going to be busy, but I love it. Like This is what I signed up for, so I'm fired up. I know you're fired up like all the players are. Just simply that real football is on the horizon. Whew, doesn't get better than that. It's not getting better than that. So before we get out of here, uh, realistically, so we'll be back on Friday. Today is Wednesday. We'll be back on Friday. We'll see two more practices in between now and the next time we get back in the lab. What do you realistically want to see over the next two practice sessions? Yeah, I mean, really for me, again, it, there's only so much you can take from it before they put the pads on. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, It'll be next week. Exactly. You know, I just want to see guys continue to execute the scheme correctly and like not look out of place. You, know, you and I talked about it in OTAs where we were like, oh, this guy looks good or that like, like guy looks good. Like, they better look good in shorts, you know, and a helmet and stuff. So just simply, like, I want to see the execution as we continue to move along and also maybe see some of those guys that – Came in a little sluggish. See and maybe get more of their legs as we move forward in the next couple of days here. Yeah, I'm with you. Where I think over the next two days, execution, just cleaning everything yeah. up. Because look, it's I don't cliche, yeah, but it's true. There's no one out there who's going to tell you like, hey, this was the best practice we're going to have yeah. here. It was literally day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys getting in and out of the huddle, the communication, uh, just some of the little things, right? Like, up, oh, I I should have been here when I should have been there. Stuff like that, cleaning it up, and having like for lack of a better term, like a pretty practice, yeah, right? this is what How, you need yeah. this time of year. You need pretty practices. And I'm not saying today wasn't pretty. Today was just day one. Yeah. So over the next two days, over the next sessions, I want to see that. Let's get things cleaned up and let us coast in into this beautiful weekend here in Vegas. And then next week, put the pads on, Ooh. really start figuring out what we got on this 90-man roster. And, uh, and I cannot wait. So... We will see you guys today is Wednesday. Like I said, we'll see you Friday. So for Eddie Pascal, Jesse Merrick, our pal Alexander behind the glass, making us sound so much better than we do in real life. My man Ray back there. Ray, can I get a nod from Ray? Yeah, a salute you, from Ray. You guys are the real MVP. Yeah, seriously, man. The real heroes of this show. So we will see you guys on Friday for our next episode of the Raiders Training Camp Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Raiders Training Camp Podcast presented by Pizza Hut. To stay up to date on all the latest with the silver and black, download our mobile app and subscribe to the Raiders Podcast Network.